following takes place between 8 a.m. and 9 a.m. It is Tuesday, November 19th, 2019, and this is Full Press Coverage Radio Live. I am Ian Glendon, and I am joined, as always, by Mr. Mike DeBite. Mike, how are we doing today? La, la, la. Doing very well, my friend. Here to be on a Tuesday morning. No better place to be. And, uh, you know, we've got uh, always some stuff in the news to discuss, and I know we're going to get right into it, but. Oh yeah, no, absolutely. We we got plenty, including a, a a fairly entertaining Monday night football game. And unfortunately, um, as much as I hate to do this, and as much as it was becoming such a a routine of mine, um, I, I I don't know if I can play the song today. It just it doesn't seem right after such. <laughs> yeah, a, it just doesn't. I, I completely yeah. agree with you. And you 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 know we love the song. Anyone who listens <laughs> to the show knows Ian and I are pretty much obsessed with that song. But yeah, under the circumstances today, I don't think it's uh, just wouldn't be prudent at this juncture, my friend. Yeah, it, it there was nothing super about the Chargers actually. It was it was it was quite the dud last night, um, at least offensively. And and to be honest, for both teams, I mean, I, I don't know which team wanted to lose this game more uh, from the offensive side, the Chiefs or the uh, or the Chargers. I'll give the edge to the Chargers just because Philip Rivers threw four interceptions, the final of which I knew was coming. <laughs> so I, I'm going to take a victory lap. Um, it just I'm watching this game. They get the ball. Uh, they're down deep in their own and uh, near their own end zone. And I'm just thinking like, oh, the only way this game ends is Philip Rivers throwing an interception because that's Philip Rivers. He'll make plays to get you down the field and then make some boneheaded play, which results in their team losing. And, and look, any sort of competent quarterback play last night from the Chargers and that they, they win that game running away. So very disappointed in the Chargers, very disappointed in Philip Rivers. And, you know, it, if it wasn't a shock to anyone before, it, it shouldn't be a shock now. I mean, he's done. He's cooked. Finished. Yeah. Yeah, I think that uh, Chargers fans and Rivers fans alike. And look, you know, you talk about the body of work that he's put in. He's put in a stellar career. I'm not so sure that necessarily means a trip to Canton any longer. No, I really no, don't. No, I no, really no. don't believe that this is going to to be, you know, the, the end result for him. And to be totally honest with you, I don't necessarily know if that's going to be the worst thing in the world for Philip Rivers personally, internally, how he feels about it. I'm not sure that's really his end game here. I think he he, he loved playing the game of football but his allegiance has always been to his family and to that and you can never ever fault the man for that and i'm certainly not doing that there's no question about it but i actually took a little bit of a deep dive last night into some of philip rivers close losses some of his close games and because covering the chargers for a couple of years it sort of became the narrative with him he can get you to a certain level but he's mm -hmm. not going to get you over the top and i did a little digging on espn stats and info which is a very good site if anybody wants to uh, uh, to look into you can pretty much find anything that you want in terms of uh, statistics and bringing them together rivers has now suffered more loss by seven or fewer points than any other quarterback in the modern era He's thrown seven interceptions in his last two games. That's the most in any two-game span in his career. So that gives you an example as to what 
Philip Rivers has been in the past and what he hasn't been this year. Monday last night was his first was his 61st loss, excuse me, by seven or fewer points as a starting quarterback. That is the most by any other quarterback in the Super Bowl era. So that gives you a little bit of insight as to what Chargers fans may be feeling this morning and that frustration that just seems like every time they want to try to break through something just always seems to hold them back. And that's going to be the MO on, uh, on Phillip rivers, uh, put up very good statistics, tough as they come. I mean, we've seen him play through injury. We've seen him play through, you know, difficult situations and he's performed admirably in certain circumstances. But when it comes to winning that big game, I just don't know if necessarily he's the guy that uh, that you want under center, and I think it's painfully obvious if you're the if you're the Chargers organization, Anthony Lynn and that coaching staff. I'm not sure Philip Rivers is the guy you want taking snaps in Los Angeles next year. Man, that, that was quite the uh, triple windy right into those uh, stats right there, my friend. That was quite the deep dive. And uh, if anyone knows the sc- uh, movie Back to School, then you'll know what I'm talking about. If not, just ignore me, uh, like you probably generally do. But um, look. Oh, I'm, and after that, you'll yeah. donate my body to science fiction, you know? Whoa. <laughs> another, another, another class. Hey, we another, don't have the song this morning, so i got to get my no, Rodney impression. Yeah, no, I, yeah. trust me, I appreciate it. it it'll, it'll, it'll stop me from trying to play the song because, again, I, I, I want to play the song because I love the song, but it's just it's, it's so disrespectful because they don't do the song justice. They don't deserve the song to be played. Let's put it that way. Had they yeah, won, especially after last night. Yeah, you know, look, had they won, I would have probably looped it for the entire hour and we would have just talked over it and you're going to have to deal with it, but <laughs> unfortunately today is, is, is not that day and it's not going to happen, but um, Again, you know, look, you brought up a great point, you know, how, how Philip Rivers has lost so many games by so close. And, you know, obviously it, it, they haven't all been as bad as last night or last week or whatever. But um, I'd be curious to see how often those games were uh, lost when he threw multiple picks and made because, you know, again, this isn't something new for him. It's not like all of a sudden, like, you know, he just has has lost it overnight. I mean, maybe some of his arm strength because it looked like he was just shot. put. I mean, he normally looks like he's shot putting the football, but he looked like, you know, he was shot putting the football and it was coming out like really slow <laughs> like remember tom yeah. brady running a 40 that's what the football kind of like looked like in in relation to what football footballs normally look like um so it, it looked like he just didn't have the the, the gust behind about 80 percent of those throws you know he could still zip it here and there but it, it certainly is not something he can s- sustain throughout the day but i'd be interested to find out how many of those games that they lost by one score where he had multiple picks or a turnover or I mean, he just looked bad. I mean, you know, forget about the picks for a minute. I mean, he was just wildly inaccurate at times. And, and you know, for a team like the Chargers who look like they have a, a, a pretty good defense, they got some playmakers on offense. I mean, Mike Williams, I mean, good God. That, that what catch a catch. Was, yeah. I mean, that was incredible. That, was that, that, that proved to me right then and there that I was going to be right about my prediction because I was like, oh, great. They just moved downfield. He's 100% throwing an interception in the end zone. And two plays later there we go um so but i know i know you kind of briefly mentioned it and it's been brought up before in the past more, more than likely but um i i i'm i'm i have i mean i i, I would say overall and um overall i'm a pretty tough uh, uh i guess greater or or uh trying to put people in the hall of fame i think people are so quick to do it nowadays everyone's a hall of famer it's like you have a great year you're a hall of famer it's like no we're not talking about great players we're talking about the best of the best of the best you know right and um you know kind of like 
Men in Black, you know, they want the best of the best of the best. Rip Torn told us that we should we should <laughs> abide by that when it, go, it comes to the Hall of Fame in, in every league. But in football, um, if you were going to ask me, well, is Hall, is is Philip Rivers in the uh, discussion? And I I give it an emphatic no. Um, and at this point, there's nothing he can do to do that. So. Was he a really good quarterback? Yeah, he had his really good moments. He played really well, but uh, Hall of Fame, absolutely not. And if he gets put into the Hall of Fame, and then again, that just further kind of muddies the water for me and kind of delegitimizes it because he's just, he, to me, he's not a Hall of Fame player and he's not even close. Yeah, and I think you're starting to see that and you're starting to see the reasons why. Again, very good career put up some good numbers, made some plays when he needed to, but ultimately with the talent he's had around him in multiple seasons, whether it be early on in his career or later in his career, they just haven't seemed to be able to materialize. And I'm sorry, a lot of that has to do with quarterback play. I know a lot of people are going to you know, quib at you and go, oh, Wins are not a quarterback stat. Oh, that, that, that has nothing to do with the quarterback. Yes, it does. Yeah. Yes, it absolutely does. You need a good quarterback to win in this league. You always have, you always will. Whether the quarterback play is different whether it's you know it it uh, evolves over time, whether quarterbacks become more mobile, less mobile, pocket presence, no pocket presence, you need someone that's going to be able to lead in a situation and get the job done when it matters most. And unfortunately, that's going to be the knock on Philip Rivers. It's always going to be pretty good, but never quite good enough. And that's not the measure of a of a a hall of famer in my book so yeah it, and it hurts to say that because covering philip and, and covering the uh, uh the chargers for a couple of years i got a chance to see different sides of him and what he does in the community he's so beloved in the community mm-hmm. of san diego i mean it's really really amazing the work that he and his family put in so this is not a knock or i'm not sitting there you know gonna try to like you know tear up philip rivers up and down because ultimately the legacy he leaves is going to be more about that and i think if you ask philip directly and say is this something that you're comfortable with? I think he'll look you dead in the eye and say, absolutely, that's more of a, that's more important to me in the legacy that I leave. And that says a lot about him as a man. But getting back to the quarterback play last night, yeah, it was just, it was hard. It was painful to watch. If you're a Chargers fan looking at that and saying, our defense really put us in a position to be able to win this game. And we continuously gave the ball away to a Kansas City Chiefs team that was struggling so badly. Mm-hmm. I, I know Chiefs fans are going to be thumping their chest this morning, but can you really look at yourselves in the mirror and say, we deserved that win last night? I don't know. I mean, you know, anytime you earn a win, look, beyond belief, anytime you earn a win, you get a win. A win is a win. Mm-hmm. And it's going to count the same in the win-loss column as any others. Credit them. They didn't have to take advantage of the turnovers. They did take advantage of the turnovers. So they deserve a lot of credit for that. But a lot of it was attributed to the terrible quarterback play that we saw last night. Four interceptions, inexcusable at this time of year. Yeah, you know, I, I, I think I found a song that I can play for the Chargers and Phillip Rivers. I, I had that in reserve from last week, so I, I, I came across that. I was like, oh, okay, that, that kind of makes sense. Uh, that is up. absolutely yeah. perfect, and they yeah. did throw it all away because <laughs> the playoff hopes for the, for the uh, Los Angeles Chargers, they've now been thrown away. So, folks, right. you know, it's just it's, it's one of those <laughs> things that, uh, yeah, just, yeah, done. <laughs> yeah, well, I look, uh, we, we were hyping it up yesterday a little bit, like, oh, well, if the Chargers do win, and I did pick the Chargers to win this game, and, and I, I did feel pretty good about it there until – getting toward towards the end and it felt like you know hey <laughs> this is going to be another philip rivers uh yeah we, we've seen know, this play before moment, you know vintage philip yeah. rivers and uh 
you know, I was thinking, okay, yeah, you know, this 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 is a chance. You know, maybe we, you know, we're going to have a three team race, and it's like, no, no, Chargers, they're they're done. Um, you know, it's still there's there's still going to be a race between Oakland and and the Chiefs because the Chiefs did nothing to uh, impress me last night, and and that, and again, you know, I, I might get labeled a hater or whatever, and that starts with the quarterback. I mean, honestly, I. I'm not saying that people have caught up. I mean, because I mean, the whole idea that that a player so far and ahead of some you know teams in the NFL to begin with is is an absurd statement. So, implying that they've teams have now caught up to him is even more of an absurd statement. Um, I think we got film on Patrick Mahomes. I mean, that's kind of what it is. Um, you know what he is? He's a quarterback who throws short and relies a lot on his players to make plays, and that's not a bad thing. Look. For years, people have said, oh, Brady just stinks and dunks this, that, and the other. Um, Last night, again, you know, and I brought it up last week or his last game, 12 of his only 19 completions. Like, he had a poor statistical game uh, by any standards, if you want to. And I actually, I coined this term this morning, and I'm going to see if it uh, kind of latches on. Um, It's it's the Parker-Reitman scale, okay? Uh, it sounds very, very uh, official, and and you know it feels like it could be in. Uh, and now I'm really killing myself because I got to kill it right here. But I'm trying to think of the, um, the, uh, the 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 psychology book, the the uh, the official, you know, with all the medical diagnosis, all that stuff. It could be in this, but the Parker Kellerman or <laughs> Parker Reitman scale. <laughs> you see where I'm going with this one? Oh um, yes, absolutely. That it, was it, not it a Freudian good. slip, folks. No, no. Um, this scale is obviously skewed because it, it, it now bases quarterback play on, on how they judge Tom Brady. And, and obviously we know, and we joke about it because they have absurd standards and, and qualifications when it comes to good quarterback play for Tom Brady and then for everyone else. Um, this, this would be a big old fat F on the, uh, (laughs) on that scale when it comes to, if you're judging Tom Brady and, uh, look, he didn't play a good game. Uh, once again, 12 of his 19 completions came at or ahead or at or behind the five yard line where a bulk of them came at the line of scrimmage, which tells me again, a lot of screens, a lot of short passes. He was two of nine beyond 10 yards. Now, <clears throat> that's you know it it is what it is it sometimes it's hard to throw deep you know give the chargers credit they played really well on defense but every single week every week and i hear it every morning every day every every time i wake up and I, and, and patrick Mahomes is being typed in a sentence or spoken on tv he throws the prettiest deep ball his deep ball is this his deep ball is that his deep ball is nothing special um he gets a lot of those you know yak those those yards per attempt from yak I mean, look, it's just, it is what it is. Like, you look at, you know, his last few games, and I don't want to hear about injuries because he looks perfectly healthy out there. Yes, he does. He he looks good. The only time those issues pop up is when he starts to struggle. It's like, oh, maybe he's not healthy. No, he's healthy. He's out there. He's playing the game. He's always played. It's just now teams have film on him. They know how to better uh, attack this offense, and it's pretty straightforward. Don't let those guys get a lot of yardage because I honestly don't think this Kansas City Chiefs team can do anything other than hit you with a big play and take momentum that way. I don't think they can sustain long drives. And I really don't know if Patrick Mahomes can go through his progressions level by level and deliver a pass 15 yards down the field when you need it. And I'm not talking about a, a little dump off screen to to uh, Tyreek Hill and he turns it up to the field 15 yards. I'm talking about, you know, third and long the pressure's on, you're down by one score in the playoffs, we need you to deliver a pass, pinpoint right down the middle of the field, 15 yards. I don't think he can do it. 
Um, he was uh, incredibly inaccurate yesterday. Uh, you know, even even that throw to Travis Kelsey, and, and, and this is something Brady would get ripped for. He almost overthrew that. A wide open Travis Kelsey in the end zone. He almost threw it too far out of the end zone, and it would wouldn't have been a touchdown. So again, I'm I'm using the scale that that you know the guys on TV use when it comes to judging Tom Brady, and and by that Patrick Mahomes had a really really bad game. And again, you you look at the trends, you look at the what he does well. What he does well is complete short passes, and it's nothing wrong with that if you keep winning. But eventually, you're going to need him to step that game up and make those plays with his arm and not, you know, try to, you know, make something happen with his legs because we know that's not a sustainable thing, especially in this NFL, especially when you get to the playoffs. So, um, again, this is another reason why I hate this 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 quick and, and early coronation of, uh, <laughs> you know, this is the best quarterback in the league. He's doing things no one has ever done except every other quarterback every week that we watch. We see something that he's done. Um, let's, let's relax here. Uh, so to me, I, I just think it, it's th- there's bigger issues in Kansas City, and uh, the defense was the least of their issues last night. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm glad that you mentioned uh, the ability of Mahomes to be able to be shut down and not necessarily be able to lead his team to any type of those 15-yard chunk plays that you're talking about, the way you have to complete a pass right on a dime where you know you're not going to get any yards after the catch, but you need the yardage and you can thread the needle and find that open man. That's exactly what the Patriots did to the Kansas City Chiefs last year for the first half of both games they played. Take a look at both of those game stats. Patrick Mahomes did not have a prolific game in either one of those first halves. Where they started to open up and then get traction was when the Patriots defense gave up the big play. And then, you know, credit the Chiefs offense. They had, you know, the more athletic, you know, players on offense as opposed to the Patriots players on defense last year. And they were able to extend plays, get big plays, and take the momentum back in that fashion. And then once that starts to happen, then they can get into their rhythm and play their game. But if it's a plotting game where, they, you know, very similar to the game that the Patriots and the Eagles played the other night, I don't know if Mahomes necessarily can grind out a win like that. No, and and again, like I said, the I mean, the only reason they won that game last night is because Philip Rivers threw four awful interceptions. I mean, let, right? I mean, I've never seen a quarterback throw into triple coverage more than Philip Rivers. It was like he was identifying the one player that had three Kansas City Chiefs around him, and he was like, "Yep, that's the guy I'm throwing to him." And guess what? Four interceptions kind of proves my point. But uh, that was the only difference between Kansas City falling to uh six and five or whatever it would have been. six and five yeah, yeah. Six and absolutely five. and it and it would have been a dogfight in the division for the rest of the year between them and oakland and i still think that there is going to be a pretty good fight oh, yeah. on their hands because i think if i'm oakland if i'm john gruden watching that game last night i'm sitting there licking my fingers and ready to go mm-hmm. you know the next time these guys go out and say there's a lot that you can pick up in that game last night and also defensively i mean philip rivers made the kansas city defense look very good last night yeah that's a lot of smoke and mirrors folks that was very poor quarterback play as opposed to a lot of chiefs fans coming out this morning and says oh guess what we got a defense now we held that team to only 17 points well did you see the offensive output that they were putting out not very stout folks so you know what's good for the goose is good for the gander these are the knocks that everybody's knocking the patriots on haven't played anybody the other teams beat themselves well guess what last night the los angeles chargers beat themselves more than the kansas city chiefs beat them so if you're going to make that argument about the patriots you better be prepared to back it up when your team goes out there and wins in similar fashion 
Well, I'm like, look, I'm not sitting here saying, like, all of a sudden Patrick Mahomes is a bad quarterback. No, he's one of the good Oh, no, far no, from it. No, no he's just he's, it, yeah. he's one he's one of the several really good young quarterbacks. And I'm just not. And, and again, I've never been this way. And I, I, you know, call it whatever you want. Call it a bias against them. Call it haterism, whatever you want. I've never been to the point where I'm about to go overboard and say this guy is changing the game because and, and we've said it so many times in the past. You know, we can sit here and, and you you brought up Randall Cunningham yesterday and we could talk about RG3 and Michael Vick and 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 all the all these guys, Warren Moon, all these guys that have come and gone in the past, uh, running quarterbacks, athletic quarterbacks. We look at Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson is playing better than Patrick Mahomes. So there's a lot of quarterbacks playing better than Patrick Mahomes. Like, let's not forget, too, you know, again, <laughs> Brady gets knocked for almost interceptions and more than any other quarterback I've ever heard in my life. Well, uh, th- there were several at the beginning of this year where all of a sudden, like if you tack those onto Mahomes, which they were on him, they were bad throws that just got dropped. You know, all of a sudden he looks more kind of middle of the pack than anything else. And and again, this is not a knock on him. It's just more of a knock on the over exaggeration and hyperbole that has surrounded this kid since the moment he stepped on the field. And and look, we're in year two, and call it what you want, but it looks like teams have caught up a little bit. And uh, you know, he's going to have to elevate his game because this isn't an instance of you know he's carrying this team on his back. It's like no, he has not been good for several weeks i mean he's had had moments but like i like i laid out to you just now with the completions and uh this this perception that he has this incredible deep ball that he beats teams with is is just not true i mean they see the the pre-game throws of him throwing 70 yards in the air like that matters like when is he ever going to have to throw a ball over the stadium it's you know? true. Yeah. I mean, like, you know, it's, no, it's, it's like showing off. I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's home run derby mm-hmm. and you know, the, this, you know, batting practice during, uh, you know, major league baseball where these guys go out there and they have a trainer go out, you know, to throw meatballs. So that way they can, they can crush these, you know, 900 foot home runs. And of course I'm exaggerating yeah. here folks, but you know, there's a difference between guys that, you know, do that. And then the guys that can back it up in a game. I mean, and look, Mahomes is building a tremendous career and he will end up going down as one of the better quarterbacks of this era. Way too early to label this kid a hall of fame or way too early to label this kid, the greatest who's ever played the position. Let him play his game. Let it see how it plays out. There's nothing wrong with what Patrick Mahomes is right now. Let's not rush the situation and automatically anoint him simply because you want ratings from people that are sick of seeing Tom Brady on the dais every single time there's a Super Bowl in February. There's a difference in doing that. So I think there needs to be a little bit of temperance. Like you said, I think that's very, uh, uh, very, you know, accurate and pretty much right on the money but at the same time also do a little research and i'm glad you brought that point up again about vic and moon and i mentioned cunningham yesterday these aren't things that we've absolutely never seen before on a football field they're being done and they're being replicated each and every week so yeah a little bit of temperance is probably good but you know what we've seen this so many times we saw it with rogers we saw it even with manning And, and manning was really i think the closest to brady in terms of rivals and to me, probably oh, the, the I, I think he's probably the most like for like comparison. If you want any type of a debate, and I think this debate is long past, but mm-hmm. if you want any type of a back and forth argument in terms of the better quarterback of their generation, the guy that I compare Tom Brady to is to Peyton Manning. Mm-hmm. It's not to Mahomes. It's not to Rogers. No. It's not to Lamar Jackson. These guys are not his contemporaries. Yes, Brady is playing at the same time as him, but 
that to me is more of a like for like comparison when it comes to quarterbacks. Yeah, look, I, I mean, I personally have Peyton Manning. If you're, you're going to ask me to rank my three greatest quarterbacks of all time or, you know, my list of the greatest quarterbacks, it would go Brady, Montana, Peyton Manning. Um, you know, again, partly the bias of, of being able to watch him in particular has maybe elevated him higher than maybe some other people might have him, but um, he was that good. And I think that was the only legitimate. And, you know, honestly, that was the only player that as a fan of the Patriots, I ever feared. And yes, and and by that, absolutely. Even in 2015 at at such a limited capacity, um, I never felt comfortable with him on the field. And we saw that he, he wasn't great in that playoff run, but he had like one or two drives against the Patriots early on that really just, set the tone in that game and it was ultimately something the Patriots couldn't overcome and that was you know about 20 percent Peyton Manning and um you know we'll sit here and joke and knock him and all that stuff and and I agree with you I think the debate uh really isn't a debate anymore but at the time and and during the 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 early parts of both their careers I mean this was this was a a a heated heated discussion And, and I think this is something that a lot of people now are trying to manufacture with guys like Rodgers and stuff like that because they try they try to make it out like that's the that's the same rivalry for for one they don't meet as often and and that's that's a reason but most of all it's it's the success and the fact that to me I just don't think Rodgers is even close to that level of quarterback play he's had some great moments but um you know it's just not to that level and that amount of consistency as you had from those two players and and even same same with drew Brees, and you know i hate knocking drew Brees, but um even he isn't really on that same um echelon very close like right you know about a half step down but you know those two brady and manning kind of separated themselves and you know maybe we'll get a, a rivalry like that at some point again in the nfl but uh we'll, we'll see we'll see and, um, yeah, I mean, uh, if you're a fan, if you're an NFL fan, because I mean, let's face it, I mean, you and I are both realists here. I mean, you know, Tom Brady is probably, although who knows at this point with Brady, you never really know. Most of the time, we we're you know we're level headed, but <laughs> uh, you know we're probably looking at we're we're probably looking at the last two three years maximum uh, for Tom Brady to play in this league. I don't see him putting on shoulder pads past the age of forty five. I know Alex Guerrero came out last week and said <laughs> he's playing to forty seven. I doubt that highly, folks, but we're closer to the end than we are to the beginning with Brady by far. If you're an NFL fan, the two guys you're watching right now are most likely Patrick Mahomes and Lamar Jackson. And this could end up being an AFC rivalry. If these two guys stay in the same conference and they end up going head on head in the NFC, Russell Wilson looks to be the guy. He's been around for a few years, got a couple of years on these guys, but he's still a dynamic talent. You can picture him playing for a number of years down that line. So you look at the young quarterbacks that are coming out now and the style of play that they're that they're coming into it's going to be a different league in a few years and it already has eroded several you know times and really morphed into something different than it ever was before so at this point those are the guys that you're watching and again we do hope for that type of as football fans we all hope for that type of rivalry because Brady Manning was an event let's face it that was uh, that was the main event viewing whether it was a regular season game or a playoff game 
everybody was glued to the set when Peyton Manning and Tom Brady went head on head. It was Magic Bird back in the 80s. Mm-hmm. That was appointment viewing. Michael Jordan, unfortunately, never had that rival in the NBA. Uh, he was always a cut above and head and shoulders above the rest. Yes, Barkley, Malone, those guys gave him some challenges in the uh, um, in the was finals. His biggest rivalry. <laughs> yeah, probably. I would probably say that his his biggest rivals were probably off the court, but yeah. on the court, uh, the no books. one re- no one ever reached. Yeah, exactly. And off the books. Yeah, uh, very hush hush to quote yeah. uh, uh, L.A. Confidential. But um, in any qu- in any case, Jordan never had that rival on uh, um, on the big stage, and you know, obviously the Red Sox Yankees rivalry in uh, in in. Uh, Major League Baseball. That's really more about the laundry than it was about the players. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there were players that went back and forth. Obviously, you know, you talk about clutch. Who was more clutch? Was it Jeter? Was it Ortiz? You know, there are a lot of people that that bring up those discussions. But that was more about the laundry, the rivalry there. Um, but yeah, in professional football, we'll see. We'll see how the game evolves and who ends up taking that next step uh, toward immortality and being the next great quarterback of our generations well i i think one of the one of the issues too is i think people have fooled themselves because we've had such a such a stretch of of incredible quarterback plays you know starting from say the late 90s on and, and that's that's obviously not you know knocking the 90s but if you think about the overlap of of peyton manning dan marino brett Favre, tom brady and again you can even throw drew Brees into that mix but we're, we're talking about you know some of the greatest quarterbacks that have played the game. I think for a long time you're 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 talking. Okay, it was Joe Montana, and you know there is maybe a generational gap between he and number two. You know what I'm saying? So right. when it came to Peyton Manning and Tom Brady, you know th- I don't think we've ever seen a a more a, like you know two guys at at such a historically high level competing as often as they as they have and i think people are just now accustomed to that because we saw it so often that you know any sort of quarterback you know you know any every generation is going to have that no it's it's they're not i mean it that was so unique to what this nfl or what the nfl is and what especially what it's becoming i mean i don't think you're ever going to see this sort of sustained um excellence by any team or court i mean team yes i i, I can almost go down and, and say a hundred percent that no team's going to replicate what the patriots have done over the last 20 years however right. i also don't think uh court you're going to see the 20 year uh quarterback uh, dominant uh player you know it, it, like i just don't even if mahomes has a great career i don't think it's going to last as long as 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 brady and and manning has you know and how well they played for as long as they did um you know again we're talking about in my opinion two of the three greatest quarterbacks to ever play the game who played essentially their entire careers at the same time and you just don't see that and i think that's fooled people to think that you get that every you know quote unquote generation and you don't like you know you could you could talk about you know Brady retires uh, Drew Brees retires all that and Russell Wilson and Lamar Jackson and Patrick Mahomes all those guys being the best quarterbacks of the generation and and that that could be very true and that is likely to be very true um however that doesn't mean that it's going to equate to the same sort of uh uh stakes that the Peyton Manning versus Tom Brady rivalry took on because again we're talking about not only you know, the two best quarterbacks of a generation, but two of the top three quarterbacks of all time, of every generation. So uh, again, I I don't, I think people are mistakenly trying to hype up every other quarterback rivalry the same. And, you know, the the result's going to be the same 
too, and you're going to be disappointed because it's not going to it's not going to stand up to the hype. Because again, you know, Peyton Manning versus Tom Brady is something that we're likely never see again in terms of all the factors that went into it. And um, you know, I miss it. I do. <laughs> A little, a little nostalgic, a little, little, a little sad to think back, like you know how how awesome that was each and every year, sometimes twice. Uh, it, it was, it was something else. So you know, maybe we do get that again. I just, I just, I'm not going to get my hopes up, and I'm just going to enjoy what I see on a week to week basis, and not sit here and try to uh, project players that don't even belong in the conversation yet into conversations that they don't belong to. So that's my, that's my feeling. That's my feeling. No, and I, I, I'm right there with you when it comes to stuff like that and when it comes to how, you know, this next generation is going to is gonna shake out. I think there's such a quick trigger now to anoint. And I think a lot of that comes from the fact that there has to be some sort of relevance. There's so many media outlets out there today. Everybody has to compete. Everybody can't be writing the same thing. So naturally, the hot take takes precedence and and this is nothing new i mean this has been around for as oh, long yeah. as there's been journalism there's so this is not anything where i'm knocking anybody from today or anything like that but yeah i think there's such a jump to be able to say well i i told i called this and i had it first and this is my take and this is how i do it but you know use your eyes use your common sense just let these guys play their game let them evolve as quarterbacks before we start anointing them as the greatest that have ever played because really it's a disservice to guys like Mahomes and Lamar Jackson to sit there and have to live up to that expectation every single week you go out and you have a bad game and then all of a sudden it's like oh okay you know what are we going to do are we just going to make excuses for the guy or are we going to hammer him so you know it really is it does a disservice let the guys play and see what uh, what they are able to do coming up down the line yeah, and, and again, like I said, I mean, most of my comments when it comes to this is mostly about talking heads and, and people just kind of overreacting to everything and, and just, yeah. So uh, it's not necessarily a knock on the player, but you know what? If we're going to have this tough grading scale, then uh, I'm going to grade very, very toughly. Um, so, well, I guess it's time. You want to do our power rankings? I almost forgot. Yeah, I think we probably should. <laughs> I, I think yeah, I, I, think, I almost I, I almost forgot because I do, I do want to ask you briefly, and I, I we'll have enough time to it, or at least the last few minutes. I do want to ask you about the baseball Hall of Fame ballot. We'll, we'll you know that came out yesterday, and I do want to get your opinion on that. Yes, so, absolutely. Um, that's another thing I have a strong opinion on. So, um, yeah. So let's let's do that. So we'll, like we did last week, we will start with uh, team number five and, and and work our way down and um, kind of go from there. So. Um, I, uh, you know, admittedly questioned whether or not the uh, the Saints were going to be able to uh, rebound after a tough loss. And I, I didn't say I didn't think they were going to. I just thought, you know, okay, if they lose this game, you, you might have some questions starting in, in Saint, you know, in New Orleans. So uh, that wasn't the case. They looked pretty good, and they uh, moved back into my top five because I booted them out last week. So uh, the number five team on my list is the New Orleans Saints. Yes, the number five team on my list is the New Orleans Saints oh, as well. Uh, coming back in, uh, you know, making a, a statement game. And we talked about this last week. And, you know, that I, I think them coming back and winning the way that they did showed that they're still a formidable mm -hmm. team in this league. Drew Brees is still probably the best guy to be able to lead them into the playoffs with experience and everything he's been able to do. Continue to keep a sharp eye on the Saints because... As always, when you have a quarterback that's starting to near the end of his rope, it's always interesting to uh, to look and to see. I don't think the Saints will have that problem this year. They're definitely a top five team, in my opinion, and that's why I put them back in the rankings this week. Well, I um, 
and and, and that's kind of like what it was it, you know they had a bad week and, and it seems like that was just all it was a little blip on the on the screen and you know that happens as we all know so my number four team is the team that i had number five last week and i uh i felt pretty good about i, I they looked even well, at least at least for the second half they looked pretty good this week so i got the minnesota vikings and uh again very quiet eight and three team i think um you know, their rough start to the season, especially the the very poor play from Kirk Cousins really kind of, you know, had a lot of people writing them off. And, and look, they're, they're still, I wouldn't put them as the best team uh, in the NFC, uh, but it's certainly, uh, it's certainly pretty close. So I have, um, no, no, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I, no, I do. I think that's uh, that's a good solid ranking. And I know that uh, you're, uh, you're beating the uh, the Minnesota Vikings drum pretty steadily. And believe me when I tell you, I I absolutely think they're right there in the mix of of being one of the best teams in the NFC at number four. I have the Seattle Seahawks uh, Mm -hmm. coming off of uh, an eight and two record. Uh, They're, Defense has looked better each game as they progress. Uh, Shaquille Griffin, I think, has been a very good addition at cornerback for that team. I really like the way that he's been able to kind of change the complexity of that cornerback position for them. So, in my opinion, I think their improvements on defense, uh, you know, still making the uh, the strides that's a very formidable offense there I, I like what they're doing in uh, in Seattle I know they sputtered a little bit during the San Francisco game but they will definitely uh, you know come back and come back strong I think they're a very balanced team on both sides of the uh, the field so uh, the Seahawks are my number four team in the power rankings this week yeah I, I might have I might have overlooked them a little bit um, I'd probably you know because I have very high hopes for them but I, you know I feel like other teams have kind of really started to impose themselves a little bit more uh, so maybe, you know, maybe throw the Seahawks 5A and 5B for me, New Orleans Saints. So, um, number three for me, uh, San Francisco 49ers. Um, yeah, I, I, you know, they lost the game last week. You know, guess what? A lot of teams don't win 16 games. Actually, only one has in a season. And obviously that, that didn't work out too well for them, but we're not going to. We don't that. want to talk about nope, that right no, now. No, we can, no, we can no, go so off on it's, it's, year, it's the year that won't be named. So, uh, we, yeah. we will move on from that. But, uh, 49ers lost, but they rebounded very nicely. Uh, again, this is a team that we talked about a little bit in detail yesterday because we were both came across impressed coming back, you know, and, and having this team come back late, even though it's like, they made plays in that game that should have lost them the game. And maybe they, you know, deserve to lose that game, but they're starting to show the medal. And, uh, you know, that's the M E D a L medal. Um, that team show like good playoff battle tested team show when it comes to, uh, uh, being, being good and winning close football games. And that's what they did. It was, it was a tough fought game against a divisional rival and they came out and it impressed me. So third best team in the league. And I'm not really wavering from that unless something drastic happens with San Francisco. Yeah, I it's, I struggled with this one as well, and I think our top two are probably going to be you know synonymous. But mm-hmm. uh, I also have the San Francisco 49ers at number three coming in. Look, there's something to be said about losing a game, coming back, and then winning it again. But when you're talking about a divisional rival, and by no means was that a cupcake game that they won against the Arizona Cardinals. Arizona fights them very hard, but you have to take a look at strength of schedule and how that win was they did you know I, I credit jimmy garoppolo and i credit the san francisco defense for being able to make stops and make plays when they needed to but right now i just see a little bit more out of a couple more teams in the league i have them at, at number three right now 
Yeah, and and uh, I do agree. I think our top two teams are going to be pretty similar. Maybe the 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 rankings a little bit different, but I'm, I'm assuming we're going to be on the same page here. And that for me, unfortunately, means putting the New, New England Patriots as my number two team. And um, you know, it, it's I can sit here and argue to the to the to the heavens that it's like you know it, it, you know we're prisoner of the moment in this league when we cover this league mm-hmm. when we talk about this league. Um, Baltimore Ravens are playing fantastic football these last three weeks. Um, the Patriots are still a better team, in my opinion. Uh, however, this is a power rankings, and and this is this is more based on what we see in the moment. And in the moment, right now, the Baltimore Ravens are beating teams, so I will give them a slight edge, especially since they did beat the Patriots. Now, if they hadn't beat the Patriots, I, I I'd still have probably the Patriots ahead of them. But you know, I got to tip my hat to them and say, look, you know, they just won forty-one to seven against the Texans. That's that's a that's a very impressive win against a team that you know some people have expectations for. You've heard my me talk about the Texans and I don't believe in the Texans until they win a big game. And, and again, this <laughs> another instance that thoroughly proves that it, it, there's no sense to trust the Texans in anything uh, when it comes to fo- uh, winning big football games. So uh, impressive by the Ravens, but that, that puts the New England Patriots, Patriots at number two for me at 9-1. Yeah, absolutely. And I think I'm in complete agreement with you. And look, it pained me to do that again, <laughs> to uh, to do that. But you mentioned a couple of things. Obviously, the head-to-head matchup, that has to be a factor. And it's recent, folks. It's not something that happened earlier on in the season. Maybe it might be a little bit of a different circumstance. But this is within the last three games. That rearview mirror is still showing that game when you look in it. And it has to be a factor. The Ravens came in and took it to the Patriots. So the other is, like you said, it's a 41-7 to victory over a Houston Texans team that a lot of people do have a lot of expectations for. They've been mentioned as a possible threat. Everybody's been looking at that and saying, look, Deshaun Watson is a phenomenal quarterback, and he is. There's no question about it. I love his game, and I love what he can do. I do believe that defense has severe difficulty now without a guy like jj watt to uh to um to lock that down mm-hmm. merciless is a good defender but you know they don't have jadavian Clowney anymore i mean they're, they're they're lacking those big playmakers that they've had for so many years so without that type of identity it does kind of crink into uh to, to what they're doing but that is in no way diminishing what baltimore did they went in there and took care of business mm-hmm. and dismantled a still what is still a pretty good football team and the last is, and, and again, this pains me to say it, the Patriots offense. And it's something that I just can't justify at the level that the Baltimore is playing at on both sides of the ball. To justify putting the Patriots ahead of them at this point would be disingenuous of me and us. So I'm glad we took a level-headed approach this time around, my friend. Uh, you know, I think it, uh, I think it's warranted, and we'll see what, uh, what happens there. But obviously, New England is my number two, and... Uh, you know, I won't steal your thunder. I think you can reveal our number one. I think we both that's, have the same number one team. That's right. right. Now. It's the New York Jets, folks. I don't. That's care what right. The Absolutely. Says, the yep. New York Jets. Oh, you had the New York Jets. That's the Cincinnati Bengals. Come oh, on, okay. man. You know. Well, I'm giving the Jets the edge because they beat the Cowboys. Okay, the Jets. I repeat, beat the Cowboys, and uh, <laughs> we'll we'll see we'll see if that holds true this week when the, when the Cowboys come to town to play the Patriots. But um, yeah, uh, uh, Bourbon and Branch will be flying. Yeah, man. Big yeah. D, Big Dallas. It yeah, should, Dallas visits. Yep, absolutely. It should be interesting. Yeah. It should be interesting. Yeah. Um, look, I again, I I accept the fact that again, power rankings are more about what's happening 
right now. And, uh, it, you know, I know you said people, you, you know, the, the Patriots loss is still in the rearview mirror. Well, people's memories are a lot longer for the Patriots than they are with any other team because, you know, again, like I said, if we're, if we're talking about the best team from start to finish so far this season, it's no question it's the Patriots. Um, point differential says that. Defense says that. Um, what they've done from day one on says that. And uh, you say, oh, what are you talking about? Well, guess what? You know, Baltimore did lose to Cleveland. They also lost to uh, Kansas City. They lost some games and, you know, at times not looked great. But, like, again, the last three weeks, they've they've looked like just not unstoppable. And, you know, that's great. And, and Lamar Jackson has now changed the game, according to John Harbaugh. And, but, you know, again, <laughs> who, who would expect John Harbaugh to know all the rules and, and, and history of this game, obviously, you know? Yeah, like study the rule book. Yes, Maybe they should right. learn it. Um, so, so, yeah, I mean, look, hats off to Baltimore. I, I, I'm, I'm eager to see the Patriots play them again because I do think um, they will make some pretty poignant adjustments. I mean, they did in the second quarter on. It's just, you know, that 17-point, that you know, <laughs> jump on the Patriots early in that first uh, in, the, in the first quarter, which just it was too much to overcome. But um, the Patriots did make some changes uh, overall in terms of adjusting to the Ravens and were able to uh, force Lamar Jackson to be a thrower. And I'm not one of these people saying, like, oh, he, he can't throw the football. No, he can throw the football. He's just, you know, you don't I, – I, I haven't seen enough yet to say that he can – throw the ball 40 times if he has to and, and win a game that way. So the Patriots force him into things that he doesn't do as well as what he, you know, normally does. And, you know, we'll see. We'll see how that game goes. And, you know, at this point right now it's in Foxborough. So uh, if it if, if it happens at all. So, um, and, and look, that's something I, I learned yesterday and I don't think I brought up is that, you know, look, the defense, Patriots defense gave you a little scare with that game against Baltimore, but they rebounded yesterday and or this week and, and – kind of reinforced to me that yeah they are the best defense in the league so we will see how that plays out um so mike i know we talk a lot about football here and rightfully so i mean football dominates the uh dominates the, the the topics i mean it's just how it is it's football season um but but uh the baseball uh writers association and all that good stuff they released their their ballot for the 2020 uh baseball hall of fame now I hate giving the Baseball Hall of Fame any sort of credit or legitimacy or anything or the baseball writers in general because I think it's a it's a a group a room full of uh, crotchety old men who just can't get over certain grudges that they have for whatever reason. So that's why year in and year out we get the ridiculous. Okay, I'm gonna not vote for Derek Jeter and I'm gonna put on like Craig Council because you know, I can, and I'm a baseball writer and I, you know, whatever. So I've always been of the belief and, and I hate when, when baseball writers take this stand and that's, that's the anti-steroid people because they were just as complicit in it as everyone else, major league baseball, the players, so on and so forth. We look, we're old enough. We watched the steroid era. We, we remember it very vividly. Um, to me, all those guys that deserve to be hall of famers, you know, stat wise should get in. And this isn't about uh, accepting quote unquote cheating or anything like that. This is about recognizing your sports history. And the baseball hall of fame is about the history, the greatest. And guess what? You can't, you can't tell the history of baseball without talking about Barry Bonds, Roger Clemens, uh, those guys. I mean, you just, you can't. So 
to me, I, I think it's 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 long overdue for these guys to get over whatever uh, fake cause that they have and fake nobility that they try to portray, saying, "Oh, I'm not going to vote for Roger Clemens because, you know, whatever." I, it, it's stupid to me, and I think you know, I, these guys, it, it's it's long deserved that these guys need to get in. Yeah, absolutely. I could not agree with you more. And, you know, especially when it comes to guys like Clemens and Bonds, who had Hall of Fame mm-hmm. careers before any of this came about, before any of the steroid era, yeah. you know, showed its ugly head. And look, I mean, you know, the white elephant in the room, folks, is that the majority of the players during that era were on something. I'm not saying they were all on the same thing, but this was probably a more level playing field than the uh, highbrow, holier-than-thou baseball writers' association would have you believe. This was much more rampant, much more widespread. So these guys were doing this in an era where there was a lot of uh, you know competition when it came to that, and they did do exactly what everyone you know thought they did. They made you know they made poor decisions. There's no question about it. Do we wish we could turn back the clock? and have these guys not be exposed or not on you know any type of performance-enhancing drugs? Absolutely. But it doesn't change the fact that they should be in there. Uh, Manny Ramirez is on the uh, uh, the, um, the Hall of Fame uh, uh, ballot again this year. I don't understand how you can keep a hitter like Manny Ramirez out of the Hall of Fame. I mean, I understand the, the PEDs and everything that happened, but this was probably the most feared hitter of his generation. I can tell you, any Yankee fan that I've ever spoken to said, that's the guy we absolutely absolutely did not want to see at the plate even more so than David Ortiz and David Ortiz came up with some big hits with them but it was Manny could hit you. he could hurt you in so many ways and that was one of the things that uh, that you know I I look at from that perspective so yeah I, especially when it comes to Bonds and Clemens I'm not saying all of these guys deserve it now McGuire is a different story because I don't believe without PEDs that McGuire is a Hall of Fame player. I don't believe that. So he would not get my vote if I were in the BWAA. I I wouldn't give him a vote, but I would vote for Bonds and I would vote for Clemens. I don't think there's any question about it simply because of their resume on the field and the fact that I believe they were Hall of Famers without the performance enhancing drugs. But there are interesting, you know, names popping up. Obviously, the big name on the ballot this year, and that's the one that everybody has their eyes on, is Derek Jeter. And he will be a Oh, Sean Figgins. Well, you know, Sean Figgins definitely. You know, I was yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yep, absolutely. Yeah, you got to look at that. But uh, you know, I think I do want to say before you go, I I disagree with you a little bit. I I actually do think uh, uh, Mark McGuire is a Hall of Famer, and the reason is because the way I think these guys should go into the Hall of Fame is that their their issue and their error should be front and center. Like this is something to me that the major league baseball should just own because it's it, we're not sitting here celebrating taking steroids. We're celebrating what they accomplished based on the the relative uh, or the rampant use of that during this particular era. Now, is it unfair to some players? Yeah, you know what, life's not fair. I mean, it just it is what it is. Um, but you put these guys in the Hall of Fame because again, you can't if you're and this is how I look at it when I'm when I'm telling the story of baseball. Okay. Uh, and I'm talking about, you know, from the start of baseball to whenever it ends, you know, obviously I'll, I'll probably not be alive. None of us will. Uh, we're talking about every story and everything that impacted this game. And there's no way you can tell 
especially the recent history of baseball, without talking about Sammy Sosa and Mark McGuire and how their home run race that summer saved baseball. And to me, that kind of epitomizes, to me, the whole steroid era, because at the time, no one cared. No one was like, oh, what's going on here? It's just like everyone was sitting back, baseball writers included. You know, the bulk of them, I'm not going to put everyone in the same boat, but the bulk of them are sitting back saying like, oh, this is great. Oh, awesome. People are actually getting back into sport. People are hitting home runs. You know, this this home run race is on the nightly news every single night of that summer. I mean, literally, you could not go on SportsCenter and, and not be opened up with a uh, what did Mark McGuire and what did Sammy Sosa do? So to me, I, I, I do disagree. And I do think Mark McGuire is a Hall of Famer because, uh, yes, he did take steroids. And I do kind of believe, or at least I do kind of feel in the same sense that Maybe steroids helped him more than anyone else, uh, but at the end of the day, there's there's plenty of players that were doing it. Um, it's not to justify it. I just think base, baseball should just accept it because it's such a huge part of what their history was, and uh, you know it certainly uh, changed the way things um, are now. So you you mentioned that there's uh so so we have fourteen or I'm sorry eighteen new candidates to the to the ballot um, this year. Yes, and um, you already mentioned obviously uh. uh uh, Derek Jeter, but Bobby Abreu, Josh Beckett, Heath Bell, Eric Chavez, Adam Dunn, Chone Figgins, <laughs> Rafael Furcal, Jason Giambi, <laughs> Raul Labanez, Derek Jeter, obviously, Paul Canarco, Cliff Lee, which I'm surprised Cliff Lee's been retired for five years. I didn't realize that. Uh, Carlos yeah, Pena, I didn't either. <laughs> Carlos yep. Pena, uh, but that's that's kind of an odd that yeah hall of fame for strikeouts maybe but uh yeah brad penny jj putts brian roberts alfonso soriano jose valverde um anyone uh, outside of obviously Derek jeter jump off the plate for you for first round hall of famer or first ballot to be very honest no not a first yeah. ballot and, and and i'm sorry to say i mean yeah you you know lee was dominant during his time i don't think he sustained a long no. enough career to be a first ballot hall of famer with any without any question i mean he was a uh, middling so, starter for the early part of his career I mean, yeah he was and, more than a three four or five guy so. yeah um you know you look at all right you look at soriano that was an up and down career i mean in terms of numbers and in terms of of popularity i mean i guess you could look at giambi uh but again it's the ped situation mm-hmm. do people let him in do they not let him in uh you know giambi sustained good numbers for a good long number of years but i don't ever remember him being the most dominant player at any given time in his generation so mm-hmm. will he possibly get in I- i'm not saying that he won't i'm just saying i I don't see it on the first ballot. Yeah, to me, first ballot, I think the, the only shot that has on the first ballot this year is going to be Derek Jeter. Well, and, and you know, going to the guys that have been on the list before, and we already talked about Barry Bonds, and I do want to say that, like, for me, he was the greatest hitter I've personally seen watch. And, and this includes Manny, and I love Manny Ramirez, but Barry Bonds was just, uh, to me, just the, the greatest hitter I've personally watched in, in my 30 some odd years of being alive um i'm not gonna say the whole number because i i like being <laughs> being being able to just play that off ian likes his anonymity folks yes, yeah that's right that's right <laughs> although i tend to i tend to open my mouth too much anyways but look barry bonds the, the idea that he's on his eighth year on the ballot is it's just absurd to me i mean again i i, I don't want i don't want to hear any sort of fake like nobility or fake moral reasonings i mean you're, it's all it's all bs i mean like i said i outlined it when we first started talking about this um i i think the whole voting system is a is a joke to be honest um <laughs> i think there's 
far too much power given to guys that most of which haven't played the game and again tend to hold grudges beyond a reasonable time period so um again Roger Clemens, I think, should get in. Uh, Barry Bonds, uh, Manny Ramirez, uh, Billy Wagner is an interesting case because I think he gets yeah. so, he gets so overshadowed and and rightfully so by Mariano Rivera that um, you know I, I feel like he's never going to get his just just cause. And then uh, then you have the case of like Kurt Schilling. Yeah, you know? absolutely. And, and, and that, this is another example of you know how why I hate the the voting process because Kurt Schilling isn't in the Hall of Fame because people don't like his politics. Exactly. Let's be real. I mean, that's the yeah. only reason he's not. Yeah, you do. You have game. to be realistic so. about it. Otherwise, he is. He meets the criteria. Yeah. You know, I mean, yeah, you can throw. I know, you know, people throw stats at it and say, oh, well, this, that, and that. But, you know, Post-season Schilling has long. Schilling has indelible moments. Exactly. Schilling has indelible moments in the postseason. That counts for something. Yeah. It really does. Clutch, that clutch gene counts for something. Mm-hmm. I got news for you folks. That's the reason why Derek Jeter is getting into yeah. the Hall of Fame exactly. and probably will get in with a very high number of votes. I thought a couple of years ago he would be a unanimous selection. I'm not so sure about that anymore. I know a lot of people well, well, probably throw stuff against the wall, but I, I'm not so sure about that anymore, but he's definitely a first ballot. I mean, I don't think there's any question he gets in. Yeah, and, and I'm sure we'll talk about this more throughout the week and tomorrow in particular. But until then, you're going to have to live with uh, just listen to us on replay. So uh, if you're on Full Press Radio right now, stay tuned. Uh, Snowman in the Morning's coming up in about 15 seconds. Uh, he's also on Sportscaster, so check it out, Snowman in the Morning. Uh, give us a follow. I'm at IGLEN31. He's at M-D-A-B-A-T-E-F-P-C. And, of course, follow the show at FPC Radio Live. Have a great day, folks, and we will see you tomorrow.